0: Hey everyone, this is Jeff Anderson. And I am Buck Green. And this is Modern Combat Survival's Friday Reload. Now this is our chance to kind of help you with your time management. If you missed anything from the blog or the news this week, this is your opportunity to kind of get the Notes version where you just kind of get the, the information that matters from our blog posts as well as some witty commentary from Buck and I on some of the comments from readers, and, and this week, even some smackdowns from a reader, actually several readers, and I'll go over that here in just a little bit. But um, but anyway, let's go ahead and dig into this week's blog post and some of the comments that we had from readers. We had a lot. We had everything from zombies to bulletproof blankets this week. So let's talk about it right now. I'll go into the first, first blog post that we have is actually a guest blog post from my friend Tim Larkin over at Target Focus Training. And uh, this one is about one of the most I guess the most common things when it comes to self-defense is talking about the sucker punch, especially these days when you know now we have the, the knockout game where you know somebody can come up and just where you where you don't see it coming and they try to knock you out with one punch. And we've we've posted a couple of videos of this just so that people kind of get some exposure to it. But the title of the of the blog post is Here's the Simple Secret to how to defeat a sucker punch. And essentially all of this can be nailed down from from Tim's article into one thing, that you can't think of of your self-defense platform as defense. That the only real defense is an attack, is to take your attacker out at all costs. Now with a sucker punch, of course, that that's really difficult if you don't see it coming. And of course there's, you know, awareness and, and, you know, you want to be aware of your surroundings, etc., cetera, et cetera, The, the truth is you can't always do that. You, you just can't. And your ability to, so, so if, if you don't see it coming, it's very likely that you can be sucker punched. I've personally been sucker punched um, two times in my life. Neither one of them knocked me out, but Um, It was definitely, it was definitely, it cleared my head a little bit, Um, but I was able to fight back from those sucker punches. Um, People don't understand just how, I mean, it, it, basically you're not in control of the first attack, but you are in control of the second attack. And if you curl up in a ball, that's where you're going to continue to get stomped. So Tim's whole point was that your best defense against a sucker punch is if you're still conscious to do everything you can to put this person into the ground. Now, that's not like the secret monkey ninja death touch, you know, blow secret maybe that some people were looking for, but that is a philosophy that's not really shared in a lot of martial arts systems. There's a lot of blocking, like this block, that block, up block, down block. If they punch this way, block this way. And you simply, you know, unless you are a monk in in some you know monastery in China the chances of that happening action is always going to be faster than reaction so it's very very difficult you ruined, <laughs> ruined it for me i, I took your I thunder
1: <laughs> secret monkey ninja death punch was my go to move
0: well and here and here's my thing for this was that um so were other people because there was a comment in there and they're not in there anymore cuz i i deleted them because it just well, because it hurt my feelings. So that Eddie Chuck was one of the guys that jumped in there and said, I'm tired of, of these blog posts that are disguised as sales pitches because there's a link in there over to Tim's, Tim's program for, for one of his stuff. And a bunch of other people like clicked on, like you, in our discuss comments, you can say, I really like this comment from this person. Like You can vote on the comments. Well, Eddie Chuck's comment about what a capitalist pig I am shot right up to the top with 15 votes and then a bunch of other people replying to his thing saying yeah I'm really tired of this blog offering us stuff to buy so there was enough people that clicked on it that um, I figure why not just throw it out there in in the Friday Reload and talk about it so yes people I actually have to feed my family and we have employees that have to feed their families and I'm sorry <laughs> or fat cat bastard, you. <laughs> I know I know. Every, every
1: time you feed your child,
0: <laughs> other people are suffering because you've got their fifteen dollars. You know, I, I'm we're, we're saving up. We're trying to save up enough money to have to hire a goon to go into all six hundred thousand of our followers' houses and twist their arm to buy our shit. And I um,
1: volunteer. I volunteer <laughs> for that job. Well, you does have pay
0: extra. It, it does depending on how many kneecaps you take out. But you know, here's the thing. Yes, you. If you've even, even seen one of our emails or our blog posts, yeah, you're going to notice that there's links in there to buy stuff. Um, you know, I believe I believe in capitalism, and but you know what you need to understand is that everybody has a right to make a living, and we do. But here's where we separate ourselves from from everybody. You know, a lot of other people that are out there that are doing this stuff is that number one, the people who are just straight up bloggers and just doing information like they're missing out on giving you the best information. Because for me, there's great blog posts, there's articles and things like that you can find around the internet. But for the most part, you're going to get differing opinions everywhere. And there's, there's, you know, so it can mislead you as much as it can lead you because everybody has their opinions. I mean, those are some of the things we talk about in our in our Friday reload, are, are people's comments and how they differ in, in you know in what they're offering as expert advice in the comments, and you're going to get that everywhere, even in blog posts. I've learned I've read a bunch of blog posts that I read it from some survival expert. I'm like, this is going to get people killed if people actually do this. So by by programs by supporting people that have DVDs out there and books, you know, we interview a lot of authors and stuff like that. Like if it's if I believe that that stuff is going to help you then I have to do everything in my power, and this is the way I look at it. It's my job to do everything in my power to get that book, that DVD, that program, or whatever it is in your hands because I believe it will help save you one day. And if you don't like that, that I'm trying to say, okay, here's an example of the information that they're giving, and here's a link over to buy the product, then please unsubscribe from our blog and don't listen to our podcast. We give lots of really good content, I, I, and we pride ourselves on not giving the same old vanilla BS stuff that everybody else does, but really dig deep into hardcore topics and really cutting-edge advice, and, so, and that's free. Like Our blog posts are free. Our videos, you know, that, they, all, they all offer some advice for you when you open them up, and the, the day that you stop feeling like you're getting any value from it, just unsubscribe. Nope, I mean, nobody's going to stop you from clicking on the unsubscribe button or not coming back to our site. But in the meantime, yeah, if I feel that a product is going to help you, then I want you to buy it. And sometimes when you buy that, we there's an agreement that we have with the people that are selling that and we get a portion of that. But I've had people bring these products to me and say, "Will you sell our product to to your list?" And I'll look at it first and I'll like, "No, this sucks." I'm not going to – this is not going to represent my company. So we look for the the stuff that's truly going to make you more prepared, help you survive any sort of a crisis or attack, and I want to get that in your hands. And and it's my job then to, to give you really good information about that product so that you can make a decision of whether or not you hit the buy button on stuff. So nobody's twisting your arm. I haven't saved up enough money for goons or buck to go out to, and break your kneecaps if you don't buy something. So if you don't like it, unsubscribe. Nobody's nobody's twisting your arm. So Eddie, Chuck, you know, I appreciate your your insight, your your expert insight, but just don't come back. So anyway, uh, we had a lot of. You know,
1: what's funny about this is even if you don't, if you're not a fan of like the physical system that Tim Larkin offers. One of the things I've always liked about what he does is the psychological outlook he has on self-defense. Just listening to Tim talk about the nature of self-defense is an educational and entertaining experience. Well, so, he, you know, even uh, people debate the physical aspects of different self-defense programs all the time, but from the case of like where his head is at, it's really hard to disagree
0: yeah and, and if anybody that ha- and we did have somebody that has also been to Tim's seminars and I've been to Tim's seminars, which is why you know this is one of those things like I believe so much in target focused training that i'm you know i'm saying to people go go get this program like just get it at the at the lowest level like their their survival pack just to get a taste of it because it is very different than the other monkey ninja stuff that's out there, and Tim really digs deep into. They they do teach you the physical side of how to do it, but it's really so much about the mental side, about about getting you to just simply like program your brain to think attack versus what uh, you see a lot of people do in in videos and stuff, which is just kind of curl up or if you can't block it or whatever, you just go into defense mode. And um, there's just no there's just no room for that if you really wanna if you really wanna survive. So anyway, capitalist pig Anderson out uh buck what's what do we got next in the uh from the blog
1: well one of my favorite blog posts was the video that we put up that featured a front sight instructor using a 12 gauge shotgun um i love shotguns i'm a big fan of pump action 12 gauges i own about five of them they're just a great weapon but uh one of the things people forget is they believe what they see on television and in the movies sometimes this is good sometimes this is bad like Uh, In the movies, a shotgun will blow a hole through a car, knock over a truck, blow a school down, and then shoot the guy in the field next door. And that's unrealistic. But at the same time, people who are using shotguns for home defense, because that's conventional wisdom, hey, you should buy a shotgun for home defense. It's easier to buy than a handgun. Everyone thinks, yeah, I've got a shotgun. My home is protected. They don't stop to think that the walls of your home, your exterior walls, your doors, Shotgun shells, the uh, shotgun slug or double op buck is going to go right through that. But the issue is, if you're loading a shotgun for self defense, you really are wasting your time if you're using anything other than a slug or double op buck. And we actually, one of my favorite interviews here at the ISCQC was with the late uh, Louis Auerbach, yeah. who unfortunately passed away yeah. relatively recently. And uh, Louis was so much fun to talk to and so full of information. And his whole thing was, if you load your shotgun with double up buck, you have no idea where those pellets individually are going to go. So unless you've ranged your shotgun at all the different ranges you might conceivably shoot it at, and you have a very accurate idea of where the pellets are going to go, you ought to be loading your shotgun with slugs, which make one hole in a straight line, and you can predict what you're going to hit, and more importantly, what you're not going to hit if you're shooting in and around things you'd like to keep, such as your family members. Um, But, of course, again, that comes back to, you know, a 12-gauge slug makes a hole the size of a quarter and will blow through a lot. And in the video, I I love shooting videos. I could sit and watch YouTube shooting videos all day long. Like, there's a guy on YouTube called Hickok45 who has a very elaborate shooting range in his backyard. And I could watch that dude blow up stuff all day. And so this video was right up my alley because as soon as the music kicks in, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see some stuff blow up. And he's shooting through cars, and he's shooting through cinder blocks, and he's blowing holes in, in a, a door that he set up in a field, and shooting targets behind it. And that's when you start to think, oh wait, that that could be my house, that could be my car, that could be you know the cinder block foundation of my basement, and the the slug is just blowing right through. So the the important lesson was, um, you know, the shotgun has a lot more penetration than you think. So this, this, of course, touched off a debate about, well, could you load your shotgun with something lighter and achieve less penetration? And my favorite comment of the week comes from a guy named Mike, who identified himself as a combat shotgunner and a small arms instructor. And he probably is. I mean, anybody can say anything about themselves, but he sounded like he really knew what he was talking about. He wrote, Um, While the smaller shot makes a nastier looking wound, it does not have the stored energy to reliably get deep enough penetration so as to disrupt the cardiovascular system to cause enough blood loss through the torso, whereby starving the brain of oxygen causes the subject to pass out as quickly as possible. Though I wouldn't use the slug indoors unless dealing with hardened doors or dome type of cover material, such as cinder block or brick, I would not rely on anything smaller than number one buck. If over penetration is a concern... Go to a knee and shoot in an upward angle into the center mass of the subject. If your pellets should blow by a portion of your target, the subfloor and flooring material is most likely to stop it or at least slow it to the point of less lethality. I thought that was a brilliant comment, and it, it makes the point that, you know, you may not have the perfect shooting angle. Like, you can't always get your home invader to line up in front of your refrigerator, which is one of those items that is good <laughs> at absorbing bullets and keeping them. Um but you can shoot at an upward angle from almost anywhere in your house. And yeah, your floor is more likely to stop
0: blitz than your walls are. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, though, and what was interesting to me was that in this video, they didn't, they, they like, the negative side of it was something that they, they put out as a positive. Now, I'm a big fan of the front sight training programs, and they have they have incredible deals. Like I'm a, I'm a lifetime member. I'm a lifetime diamond member of front Sight, which basically means I can go to any, any course I want to for the rest of my life. And, um, but where I kind of departed from the video was that it was like, look at how far these bullets will travel through everything in their path. I'm like, well, wait, that's not cool. That's not cool at all. <laughs> yeah. Cause
1: the first thing I thought was look at how far these bullets will travel through everything in their path.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, I uh, that's that was the purpose of the video was to show yeah the the tactical shotgun i i love tactical shotguns in fact i'm getting a hawk after being introduced to it by dr piazza but um but it does re- it require you to think more in terms of backstop than it was than it does if you have a pistol because if you're using the right ammunition with the pistol and everything you're not you know you should be actually you know that that bullet's going to stop inside of your attacker for the most part so but what also, I mean, but on their, on you know, to their point, you know, mostly in movies when when you see people sh- shooting it out, no matter where they are, like behind a car or behind a wall, you know, they're trying to hit them as they peek their little eye out, and they're shooting back to you, like you're trying to hit that little tiny target, which you're not going to do. But you know, it just it, it's just a total, it's just a mind shift of, wait a minute, I know he's right behind that wall. <laughs> Um, right, just shoot the wall. I'm just shooting the wall, and then the bad guy goes away. So, so there, you know, that is a, a mind shift that I think a lot of people don't take into account, that difference between cover and concealment. And, and you think about that in terms of yourself, too. Like cover, I mean, concealment is not cover. So the same thing as that when the bad guy is trying to shoot at you and you're behind a wall, He's going to miss your little eyeball as you pock out, but he might hit the wall instead, and that's just as good because that's going to hit you, too. So it's all relevant.
1: I would like to underscore also the irony that uh, Ignatius Piazza put this shotgun in a video and you decided to buy one because clearly he also is a capitalist kid.
0: <laughs> clearly he is. Well, and and the this
1: thing- is double ironic in the case of us saying how much you love Kim Jong-il from last time. <laughs>
0: I, I just heard that again, this uh, thing. That I
1: <laughs> Jeff Anderson, Anderson loves, loves Kim Jong-il. Kim
0: Jong-il. <laughs> I,
1: sh-
0: I should have had our commercial guy put that in there somewhere.
1: <laughs> that would make a great ad. People could not resist clicking on that. Does Jeff Anderson love Kim
0: Jong-il?
1: <laughs> Is Jeff Anderson a capitalist pig? Click here to find out.
0: Yeah, I think that was the most uh, searched Google term in um, last week. <laughs> Okay, the next uh, the next one we had up is entitled Four Zombie Survival Hacks from World War Z Movie That You Can Use in a Collapse," and uh, this is kind of a best of one that we put out there before because um, we had we had done this right as soon as uh, World War Z came out, and um, I just watched it again with my family, and uh, and I and I just love the movie because number one, it's a great opportunity for my 12 year old to just you know slobber over dying zombies, but um, let me just go through the the four tips here. And this was really in relation to the one scene. This isn't a spoiler alert because if you know, doesn't matter whether you've seen the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, you need to see it. But there's a scene in there when all the chaos and everything is happening, when the, when the zombies are first coming out, and Brad Pitt and his family um, realize that okay, we don't have a bug out bag, so we better get to the grocery store along with everybody else. And uh, they're going through there with the the wife and two kids, and and it's complete chaos and pandemonium inside the grocery store. And so I thought this was a very realistic scene and worthy of drawing some tips out of, which were, number one, never go to the grocery store during public panic. I mean, there were all kinds of things in that scene that were pretty realistic about what could happen, other than, you know, I, I, uh, I never mind. I was going to say something, but it would have been a spoiler alert, so I'm not going to do it. So but the thing is, that scene, there, there is a lot, A lot of reality to that, and how people just in during that panic mode, they lose their wits. They you become an. We do have an animal part of our brain, and people can become animalistic when it comes to their own survival. Number two, think beyond food. So yeah, while most people are going out and grabbing the rice, roni, and water and stuff like that, uh, you need to make sure that you're stocking up on stuff other than just food, like medicines. So what I liked probably what I liked most about that scene was that they were going for asthma medicine. And that was really out of, actually, I think that was the reason that was the reason why they went to the grocery store was to go to the pharmacy because their daughter was having an asthma attack and they didn't, they needed an inhaler and stuff. So. Well, yeah, specifically they lost the bag that had her medicine
1: in it because of the chaos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. So you need to think in terms of beyond beyond the food and what medicines do you take that you rely on because they're not going to be there in a collapse. I mean, doctors are all the doctors and everybody are going to be all at the hospital trying to suture up wounds from all the panic and all the chaos and everything that's happening there. So you're not going to be able to just go down to the local pharmacy and put your little your prescription in and get your insulin back again. So you need to stock up where you can on stuff that you're going to need. Number three, don't count on the police. Now we say this a lot because, you know, we say this a lot because it's the truth and we've seen it play out over and over and over again, which is when, you know, police departments are, are have their personnel based upon everyday crime load, not for panic and chaos. So they're going to all be, you no know, number one, th- there's already a manpower issue right there. Number two, during Panic and Chaos, a lot of those police officers are going to, you know, they're concerned about their family, and so survival is survival. They're most likely going to be, you know, some of them people, some of them are going to be going and helping out their family and um, to, to survive and get to safety, so it's going to dwindle it even more, and National Guard does not just kind of on a, on a dime just kind of come out of the woodworks like a SWAT team. They take a while to, to get together, and those people are going to have the same issues, like, no, I, I can't come. So don't count on the police. This is, um, this is really going to be up to you to um, help your family go through it. And number four was always be armed. And, you know, I say this about everything because that's part of living a tactical lifestyle, in my opinion. But even more so under these types of things, because there are so many, what you see are a lot of um, opportunistic crimes, so people that normally aren't like your prison felon thug roaming the the alleyways, you know, just everyday people, can can just flip a switch and just turn crazy. I mean, we've seen this enough times with people that start off at peaceful demonstrations, and all of a sudden, once once people see that the police are of, are of no use, that's when they start smashing windows on cars, setting things on fire, and when you see four people trying to tip over a police car and there's no police stopping them. It's like, wow, this is cool. Let me go jump in and do this. Like, obviously, I'm not going to get in trouble for it. So, you know, you you always have to be prepared for. Even if you live in a nice, peaceful little town, you never know what's going to happen when when resources are gone. So, um, so anyway, that was, um, that was that. Buck, what what was the? Um, let me ask you. What what do you think is the is the best movie when it comes to, like, from a survival standpoint and some practicality where you can draw some, some tips from and everything. What's your favorite, like, survival movie?
1: Well, I, I love survival movies, and I don't want to just bandwagon it, but one of the things that I liked about World War Z was just how realistic some of those opening scenes are as far as illustrating the textbook responses to a collapse-type scenario. Um, You know, it it runs far afield from that as you get deeper into the movie and then they start talking about how, you know, Israel has a magical wall that somehow they thought to build around their city and their their country rather and all this stuff. And it gets weird. But in those those first scenes, it was almost like it was running through a checklist of some of the materials we've put out on social chaos, Mm -hmm. you know, from the way people act when they're in traffic to the, uh, the big grocery store scene to some of those other early, you know, like, wow, society's falling apart pretty quick type stuff. Um, So I I really like that portion of the film. Another movie that does that actually is it's the remake of one of the like Dawn of the Dead, I think it is, where uh, it's one of the first ones that Ving Rames did. And just the opening, like five to ten minutes of that movie show societal chaos in a very real way. I mean, yes, in this case, the chaos is caused by zombies and that's not realistic from a real world standpoint but the way that the chaos looks and feels and the way people freak out is very realistically depicted. So I I'm a sucker for any movie that actually gets that right because that's actually scary.
0: Yeah. My I I think um my favorite one from like a realistic standpoint is probably The Road. Have you have you seen The Road?
1: Oh, uh, not only have I seen The Road, I've read the book that it's based on. Yeah. And What is so relentlessly depressing about that movie is the movie is really, it's less about survival and more about parenthood. So those of you who have children, this movie will crush your soul because it's all about a man who is willing to do anything and descend to any depths of immorality if that's what it takes to save his son in a world that has lost all rules and all structure and everything is, you know, it's all bets are off. Uh, and it's it's so depressing because ultimately, you know, one guy trying to protect one child is going to have a very hard time of it, especially when they have almost no resources. So it, 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 if you're a parent, it will just wrench your heartstrings. Yeah. Uh, but it's also an extremely realistic depiction of what it's like to be wandering a world with almost no resources where you have nowhere to go and nothing to do about it.
0: Yeah, it it took me a while. This was on my my wish list to watch as a movie for probably two years, um, simply because I could tell from the trailer that it was going to break my heart. As a father myself, I I just knew it was like I was going to I was going to end up crying at some point in the movie. It was just it it really so if that's you know that's probably not a very good. Um, you're going to be really depressed. Is probably not a really good rating of the movie to get people to watch it, but it is realistic. This yeah, movie will
1: crush your soul. You should yeah, watch it.
0: Exactly, <laughs> but but it does. But look, the, the whole thing about survivability is being in the know and understanding the reality of it. And most people are basing a lot of their perceptions of what it takes to survive off of misinformation that's out there, based on fantasy. Or you can watch Doomsday Preppers for crying out loud and see the fantasy element. In what people actually think of as being, um, you know, survival. And
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got uh, two liter Pepsi bottles full of water all over my living room. I will survive the zombie
0: apocalypse. Yeah, well, and I, you know, I, I could we could do twelve straight shows just on dipshits from from doomsday preppers, but, <laughs> um, and I think we probably will at some point. But anyway, um. <laughs> Anyway, that's a really good movie, and I think, as far as like giving you an idea of like, wow, okay, this is really what, you know, if if things were really to go to hell in a handbasket, this is what could possibly happen. So what does it look like? So anyway. Okay, what have we got for the, uh, for the last blog post this week? All right. This one
1: is unique because it enraged me. And it was the one about the bulletproof survival blankets. Now, I understand that the motivation behind these The creation of these blankets was a good one. You have a very rare but very horrible problem, and that is active shooter scenarios in our schools targeting our helpless children. And, you know, no one is not moved by that. So what is the solution they've come up with? Well, we'll give everybody these very expensive bulletproof blankets, and in the event of an active shooter, children we will lock you in the classroom and you can huddle under these blankets and hope that you don't get shot. And, and it enrages me not because someone came up with the product or that the product is expensive, because if someone gave me the option of owning a bulletproof blanket, yeah, I would, but because it is tied to a strategy that says, in the event of an active shooter, quick, everyone, make yourself as easy and helpless a target as possible and wait to die. And that just makes me so angry.
0: Yeah. And, you know, go ahead and read the, uh, the title of, um, of this. Uh, oh, wow. Well.
1: <laughs> this was this was your I guess.
0: So people, you where, so people know where so to, people know where to you know where to find the actual it, it, to you, go there. You
1: named it here's just one more way the military industrial complex is making money off crappy war gizmos. Which clearly means you're a capitalist pig.
0: Well, these things are a thousand dollars apiece. You know, so it's like a million dollars to outfit your students in like one school and and for what i mean and i saw other images of of this of this blanket and and you know you you're it, the one that it, sent me the the link over to this but you yeah, know you it, can, it's you less can...
1: of a blanket and it's more like a welcome mat it's like here hi this
0: is welcome mat <laughs> yeah. and they're and they're nice and bright red to like a gigantic bullseye for an active <laughs> shooter and and they have straps on them so that you can wear them as a backpack as you're running out of the school and we've already seen what a shotgun can do to a cinder block wall. But apparently, you know, a seven-year-old with a bulletproof um, backpack on is going to, you know, it's it's going to save their life. And
1: Well, I would think more realistically, you shoot a, a kid wearing it as a backpack, it's going to knock him down and make him a more easy target when you catch up.
0: Absolutely. You know, and they show images of these kids in the hall, like, here's how they work. Like, this is like the product demo. Look how they're huddled under these blankets all along the... Uh, the hallway of the school. See, they're well protected.
1: Look at this, this target rich environment. Oh
0: my God, this pissed me off so freaking much. And, you know, so so we talk about the ways in the uh, thing. So why don't you go over the um, kind of the, the other steps that we, we talked about, like what they, how you should really approach saving your kid oh. it, it, both at home okay, and at well, school.
1: First of all, uh, to hell with lockdown procedures. Um, and you know, it's always, you're always reluctant to tell your kids to ignore authority figures. But, uh, in this case, you have to ignore the teacher and get as many kids out of those first floor classroom windows as you possibly can. Uh, your child should be evaluating his or her own secondary escape routes from, for all the classrooms in an emergency. Um, And in an attack, they should know their best options for what's actually cover, um, you know, stuff that's actually going to stop shrapnel and bullets, you know, heavy metal desks, bookcases loaded with textbooks. In our, I think it was our interview with Mossade, he mentioned that bookcases full of books are one of the best bullet stoppers out there. The um, step two was to drill your response plan. This is valid for a kid in school. It's also valid for your home defense plan. You ought to be drilling this with your kids, telling them what's expected of them, what they should do in the event that this happens, um, and, and how to get through this type of emergency, just like you're supposed to be training fire drills with them. You know, in the event of a fire, here's where we meet, here's where we make sure everybody got out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then finally, uh, number three was to double check the exit plan. Um, you know, do the windows in the school class- classrooms allow them to be opened enough so that you can get through? Are are these those sealed windows that seem to be so prevalent in modern buildings? Um, the same goes for your home. Uh, you know, there's so many houses where the kid's window is old and painted shut, and oh yeah, it's got that that like 30 year old fireman sticker on it that says <laughs> "In here." But uh, there's nobody going to be able to open that window, least of all the kid inside. Yeah. You know, is there any way that the kid's going to be able to get out of a second floor window if it's on the second floor? Things like that. Um, and it all comes back to this notion of waiting to die. Waiting to die is not an option. It is unacceptable. And it, it really bugs me that this has become the go-to philosophy of active shooter
0: response. Yeah. Totally agree. All right, well, this, uh, this is our portion of the Friday Reload where we talk about what, what do you know. Like, what do we know this week that we didn't know last week? And um, so, because, you know, Buck and I are always looking around the Internet. We're always looking for different stuff. We're always reading through the comments from people. And so this is where we kind of go out and find your stuff that you are just wicked smart with. And so, uh, Buck, what did you come up with this week? That, uh, what do you know this week that you didn't know last week from our, from our blog? Well-
1: Actually, following down the rabbit hole from the shotgun discussion from the blog, I ended up reading an article from, I think it was American Hunter on shotguns, and while some of the material there was hunting-oriented, one of the best points made by an author named uh, Kyle Winterstein was, when you're shooting a shotgun, don't close one eye when you're aiming. Use both eyes, because that allows you to better judge depth perception and spatial relation between your target and the things around it, which is something i never really thought about you know you just kind of instinctively close one eye when you're aiming carefully and uh, the idea of deliberately keeping both eyes open so that you have the advantage of your depth perception i thought was kind of a brilliant sleeper idea
0: yeah and people should be training that way but they typically don't because in a relaxed atmosphere you, you're typically training aim shooting with one eye anyway no matter what you've got i mean it's just kind of nat it's kind of natural but it's not natural when you're actually in the thick of it because your eyes need that depth perception. Your brain's going to be hungry for um, data basically to make decisions and, and determine where to, to place, you know, where to position the, the weapon to be able to get a hit. And so most people aren't training the way that their body wants to, to react in a fight anyway.
1: Well, you know, and where you see that is, The weaver stance used to be the thing. That was how people were teaching modern (laughs) pistol craft at the time that the weaver was big. And what you'll notice is a lot of people when they get into that weaver stance where they're pushing with one hand and pulling the other and blading their body at 45 degrees, they will lean their head down to the gun. So you get these guys who have their head cocked way over, and it's something you do without thinking about it. It's almost an instinctive reaction to using that stance, and that's a great example of how, like, you you'll typically want to close one eye when you're doing that too. So you, not only is your head position funny and you're kind of leaned off at an angle, but you'll probably close that eye just out of habit.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, the the, uh, the my what do you know this week actually wasn't based upon a reader comment at all. Um, although we had some chatter around this in the the stuff that we did on like a riot, like how to survive a riot and and stuff like that, because um, we're going to be talking a lot about this, this concept of the militarization of America, everything happening in Ferguson, Missouri next week, we're going to have a kind of a a few spots on that to talk about this. Um, But here's the thing is that I've been watching the, the news and even last night, again, there was like another police shooting of an innocent of an innocent person, you know? So, so these are cropping up like crazy now and I don't know if they've, if they've kind of always been going on, my, my expectation is probably yes, but between the protests and the, and the horrible response in Ferguson, Missouri over the, um, you know, the the death of, of, of somebody who was unarmed and, and all this stuff coming about coming out about police or shooting unarmed people. And, and we've been seeing this even with like dogs, like it became a, a, a thing recently, like police are shooting dogs and how could they possibly shoot a dog and, so here's the thing. Um, number one, I'm a big supporter of police, but not all police. Obviously, you know, I'm not a supporter of of cops who think that they can shoot unarmed citizens. Um, however, here here's the thing that's coming up with all of this, with all these bad cops being outed now in the media and it becoming so like like people are waking up like, oh, my God, the people that we entrust with our safety are are. Shooting people, and they all seem to be black, and and everything is that we're going to start seeing in the courts a more a more liberal jury set that if you have to defend yourself in in your home or with your concealed weapon in a parking lot or something, you are going to be under much more scrutiny when it comes to a, a jury looking at your actions, even if they were completely justified, even if the person was armed. Even if they were attacking you, and we have this this lends to our bulletproof legal defense DVD. And if you want more information on on uh, here's the capitalist pigamy giving away free reports. Um, <laughs> uh, if, if this is free, hey Eddie Chuck. By the way, this is free. You can go and get this for free. But we have a free report. It's actually on um, like how to win. It's called Second Amendment Smackdown. It's the um, like how to win any gun control argument with a liberal. You can go to 2AD. The number two ad and, 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 um, and get that guide. But then also there's emails that are built into that report also that really reveal, um, just how much the courts can work against you, even if you're fully justified in, in taking action on something. And I, I just think that as much of an issue as it was before with, with all of these, these news reports coming out about another kid was shot, another kid was shot, another kid was shot, that the 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 poor and and where it's legit, it's legit. But I think it's going to really start to develop this this um, persona out there that you can't trust the police evidence that of the of the guy that showed up at your home and and took the evidence on the home invader that you shot. Like it's it's taken away the credibility of of your own actions. I think so. It, I just think that it's it's more imperative now than ever for you to really. Pay attention to that area that so few gun owners, gun owners gun owners, ever look at, which is the legal aspects and your responsibility in a shoot-don't-shoot shoot decision.
1: You know, I think I'm going to start ending every podcast with another indictment of your character. Jeff Anderson <laughs> wants to keep you out of jail. What's he hiding?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't buy my shit if you're in jail. That, there you go. There I you don't, go. That's the hook. We don't take cigarettes as payment. So... <laughs> Although massages, we do. But anyway, I digress. Well, this took a dark and creepy turn. <laughs> yes. But I was <laughs> drunk and it was college, so leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, okay, well, this wraps up another uh, another week of the Friday Reload and everything that you you might have missed on our blog. Don't forget to check out our iTunes channel for the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the iTunes podcast and leave a comment for us. Let us know how we're doing um, give us a good rating, please, because we're trying to beat the pants off of Jack Spurgo and come up here and really take over the uh, the survival space in in iTunes for the podcast. So check it out, leave a comment, and we look forward to um, to getting your feedback. All right. So until the next Friday reload when Buck and I get back together for our witty commentary, self-proclaimed witty commentary. This is Jeff Anderson. This is Buck Green. Saying train hard, stay safe, and prepare
1: now. Thanks, everyone.